Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. If you're running ads on Facebook, it's disruptive. You need to get them on your website. You need to get them to convert. You then, you know, all these things. Whereas with the podcast, it's all voluntary and it's rapport building. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Welcome back. In this episode, we have a special guest who will reveal the secrets to being an exceptional podcast guest and making a lasting impact. Meet Spencer Carpenter, the founder of Outlier Audio, a podcast booking agency that has helped over 150 talented entrepreneurs, business professionals, and investors get 800-plus interviews. Spencer's journey from the music industry to podcasting has given him valuable insights on building rapport. We discuss the importance of providing value to listeners, finding your unique value proposition, and why podcasts are an incredible avenue for reaching new audiences. Let's chat with Spencer now and see how to get more exposure for your business. Hey, Spencer, thanks for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. So today we're going to be talking about podcasting. You are an authority in the podcasting space. I think I, uh, when I was reading about you, it's probably more than this now, but 800 plus interviews that have generated a million of listens. Is that correct? Correct. Wow, that is a lot. So tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So I'm a podcast booking agent. What I do is I get talented entrepreneurs, business professionals, and investors booked on podcasts. You know, I spent 15 years in the music industry working on both sides of talent representation. And when COVID shut down the music industry, I decided I would shift gears and start helping you know, these entrepreneurs and business professionals I knew were stuck indoors and could not go to conferences and meetups and things like that. And you know, while podcasting isn't new and a lot of people know plenty about it, I imagine most people don't have the know-how or the resources or the infrastructure to just start getting booked on podcasts. And so I decided I wanted to start helping those people. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, you used a word, you said talented. Do you mean talented at their profession or talented at being a guest or both? At their profession. I mean, it's so what happened was... I started listening to podcasts as a way to learn years ago instead of audiobooks because I just found, you know, I don't know if you've ever tried to read or listen to Thinking Grow Rich. I get the concept just fine, but I've tried to finish the book like six different times and it is so boring <laughs> that I, I've never been able to. And so that was literally what got me to go look at podcasts because I've, I was like, oh, wow, you can learn 
while listening to a conversation rather than someone talking at you. And as I was listening to like real estate podcasts and that sort of thing, I would hear these guys that were like, you know, th- this is them talking about themselves. They're like, I'm not very special. I didn't do well in school, but I can flip a house and make $50,000. And I was like, well, I was good at school, but I've never even seen $50,000. And so like, there's, I realized there was something these guys had that was really special that I was lacking and they were giving this knowledge away for free. And it, they were clearly talented at what they do. And it kind of like, you know, as I got more into podcasts, I realized that there's just a lot of people where they're talented at what they do, but their profession is what their title is. They're a financial planner. They are a CPA. They're a lawyer. And they're not looked at like talent. They're just looked at like these are their jobs. And there are a lot of people that are really talented at what they do. And when I found that like people were willing to give away that information for free on podcasts, I was like, these people need like someone needs to be supporting them. There needs to be someone that's like out there helping them get this knowledge out to people. And so I decided I would start representing those talented individuals. Right. I'm glad that's, you know, I wasn't being funny when I asked that question because I think sometimes, and it's getting less, but when people, uh, you suggest them being a guest on a podcast, their first comment is like, well, I don't really have anything to say or I'm not talented. And so that's kind of why I asked that is it's not like you have to be talented in terms of a speaker. You're just good at what you do and it just naturally kind of comes out. Is, is that fair in the way I worded it? Exactly. And and the way I look at it is if, if you have a business, if somebody pays you to do something, that means you have knowledge in whatever that area is beyond the average person. If you've read three books on any given subject, you know more than like 90% of, of the population on that subject probably that's never read any books. And so while I'm not necessarily suggesting someone that's not that doesn't know what they're talking about go out and try and pitch themselves on subjects they're not qualified for, anybody with a profession can go and be a subject matter expert on a podcast. You don't need to be the industry's most forward-thinking person. You don't have to necessarily have a new strategy. If a show about raising families has never had on a, a tax person before to explain some of the write-offs or some of the tax credits that are missing by you know having children or something like that, that's valuable to the listener. Maybe they can't cover it all the time, but that's valuable in that moment. And any CPA could talk about that on a given podcast. Right. Got it. Now, you know, some of these services like yours have popped up in the last couple of years. And since I run a podcast, I tend to become aware of them. How do you differentiate your services versus, or do you from some of these other services? Do you do anything different or do you try to be different in any way? You know, there's not a ton of these companies out there. And, you know, I don't look at anybody's competition because there's not many of us. Right. We're all in demand. But I do know that I'm a one man show. Which some people, you know, might mean that I, I don't have as many resources, but the difference is I've been in talent representation since I was 15 for over half of my life. And, you know, I just know that some other, you know, when other companies start to scale, they're finding employees wherever they can. And so they might be people that just got out of college that wanted a remote job. I know I've tried to hire agents to help me, and they definitely didn't see the position the same way I did as a talent representative. And so, you know, necessarily how it translates over in into the service, I, I couldn't actually say. I just know that I have always been a supporter of talent. That's what my job was. I started booking concerts because my cousins wouldn't let me into their band. So I decided I would support them in a different way. Um, you know, I've done all these things in music as a way to support the talent and push them further. And uh, it's no different here. You know, I'm just supporting a different type of talent. And so, you know, 
I don't really dig into the other people, you know, other companies and see what they do, or, you know, or try to critique or anything. I just know that that's that's the world I come from, and and that's why I've been able to be successful at this. Yeah, I imagine the fact that you've been able to represent talent in the past that correlates to me is you probably have a network, or you at least have established some level of a network of different shows and people that you work with. Has that been one of the benefits when people work with you? Is you have a network to have people to work with? Oh, yeah. I mean, especially as I've gone on with this, you know, I look at every new connection as an opportunity to fill in a, another client, but I also look at every client as an opportunity to make a new connection. And so I do have a large database of shows I work with regularly. And if I have a new client, I could, if I wanted, just fill in their service with shows I already have connections with. But I actually like that every single client I have opens up a new door. And there, there are shows I maybe reached out to 15 times, didn't get a single response. And then on the 16th, they say, yeah, let's have them on. And then I throw in another three in there that they didn't respond to. And they say, yes. And you know, sometimes the doors just open. And so that's, you know, I definitely like to always be expanding my network of shows. If someone wants to be a guest and they go, okay, well, I could use a service or I could do it on my own. What really is the difference in terms of if if you go, can we kind of talk about if you hey you go you're you know, doing it yourself, what that route might look like? Maybe some pitfalls, maybe some benefits, and then maybe if you use a service that kind of helps you do it, what are some benefits and pitfalls if you can think of them for each one? Yeah, absolutely. So off the bat, like. Anybody that's interested in being on podcasts, definitely see what you can do on your own. You, you know, I have a service that's meant for people that don't have the know-how or don't have the time and infrastructure. You know, that that's who I, I cater to. But I am upfront with everybody and letting them know I'm not doing anything they can't do. It's just a matter of do they want to do it or do they have the time. And so uh, there are platforms out there like uh, Podmatch, which are amazing for any individual to just go and connect themselves with podcasts that are looking for guests. You know, it's it gives you an outline where you can create a digital one sheet. It guides you through what it is these hosts are looking for. And so that'll give you the outline. But what I think any person really needs to focus on if they want to be on podcasts is what is my unique value proposition? What is it I'm providing to the host that hasn't already been covered? And so again, it's not always a matter of you know, having some brand new strategy, groundbreaking knowledge in your industry. It's just like, what can you cover that hasn't already been said on that host? Or how can you repackage it? You know, I work with financial planners a lot of times. And so they are people that are legally obligated to kind of do the same thing. And so how do you make them stand out? Well, I either focus on their story and why they got into it, or I focus on the people, you know, who their clientele is and how they work with that clientele. And so an example of that would be, I have this woman who is a financial planner for mom and pop businesses that know that they are using their business as a form of retirement. So Lots of people start a business or they have a business for a long time. They know they want to sell that business as a, you know when they retire. But they don't think about the steps they need to take to get there. And she is a first-generation immigrant. Her parents came over here and started an import-export business. And then her dad had a bad health issue come up that left her mom taking care of him for the last eight years of his life. And their business could not operate without them. And it was not in a position to sell. And so she watched this situation ruin her parent, you know, her mom's retirement and, and make it difficult for her father and his last years of life. And so her drive is coming from that experience. She wants to be able to help 
business owners set their businesses up beforehand so that when it comes time to retire, they're not in a bad position or if something happens that's unexpected, they're prepared for it. And so that's like one story and one niche where like she is clearly the person for those people. Even though she, you know, her degree, you know, her her job is just financial planner, she is the person for those people. And being able to convey that story is the value that we're able to provide to the host. And and you know, knowing that she is the person that's going to know what these, you know, what this particular clientele is dealing with. Got it. Yeah, no, that's great. Do you think when it comes to being to guest being a guest, what should the expectation of the guests themselves? Like, are they going to get all of a sudden a ton of people signing up to their list or buying their product? Does it vary dramatically between show? Do you know going in what to kind of expect from a given show, or what does that look like when they go on a show? Like, what can they expect? You know, this is something I'm asked when people are considering whether or not to work with me. And, you know, I never want to oversell something that I can't deliver on. And so the way I explain it is the results of podcasts are unquantifiable until they're quantifiable. And and what I mean by that is like, unless you set up a link or something that can be tracked within the podcast, you're not going to know if a lead came unless they told you they heard you on the podcast. And from there, you know, it's a matter of actually closing them and being able to attribute it to a specific podcast or a podcast campaign. But what I think people should really focus on is while podcasts are fantastic for lead generation, what are things that you're getting automatically, whether or not a lead comes in? So off the bat, people, what they are getting is they get fantastic SEO and, and backlinks. I mean, you could pay for you know a press release or something like that to go out through Yahoo Finance and Associated Press and all those things. But it's always the same title. And it's always the same body of, of text. If you do five podcasts though, those are five different unique conversations with five different titles on five different websites that like... It's all great when it comes to like your Google results and making sure that when people search you, it's not just what you wrote about yourself on your website and on your LinkedIn. But in addition to that, I mean, so many people are focused on social media these days and creating content. I hate sitting down to create content. That's not what resonates with me, but I can talk to you all day. And so this is already being done. This is already being recorded. You're already putting it out there. I just need to repurpose it. And so for every interview you do, you now have one to several pieces of content that you can repurpose on your social media or on your website or your email list. If you are not sharing your podcast interviews on your email list, total waste. And here's why. Lots of people that are on your email list are either current clients of yours, so it's reaffirming their decision to work with you. But there are also people on your email list that signed up for a call and then didn't end up going with you. But they never unsubscribed from your email list. And maybe they're still in the market for the service. They just haven't moved on it. If they start seeing that you are doing one or two podcasts a month and you keep sharing it, they're going to see that your business is growing. You're being looked at as an authority in the space. And maybe that's what pushes them over the fence to, to revisit the conversation with you. And then if nothing else, do five podcasts and it's five one-on-one meetings with a potential referral source. Tyler, I hope that after this conversation, if you hear someone is in need of a podcast booking agent, you're going to send them my way. And if I hear someone that is in need of a coach, I'm going to send them your way. You know, And that's this is not just like an interview. This is a meeting. We're getting to know each other and build rapport. And it's something that we can both utilize down the road. Yeah, that is so true. I just did another show earlier today. And at the end of the show, just a wonderful guest 
she started saying to me, hey, I'm part of a mastermind. I'm part of this. I, you know, and we just kind of were connecting after we had this really nice conversation. And it's amazing, you know, that after the show or even sometimes before the show, you can get a real deep bond and connection. And that's probably honestly one of the best reasons I really enjoy from my end of being a host is you get just this opportunity of just really awesome people that you're constantly, you know, you're put together and you have a half an hour discussion that in normal circumstances, you probably would never talk to that person in any other scenario. So it's really an advantage. One other thing I wanted to talk about that's interesting. I'd asked you about, you know, sizes of audience or traction if you were to do an interview. And I kind of had my own little lesson on this. I was invited on a show and I don't do too many shows just for lack of time, but it was someone I knew and I really liked the guy. I knew he had a very, I mean, I was just doing it more as a favor. I didn't, not even sure if anyone was listening. And literally after the show published, the next day I got a call from someone and he's like, Hey, I want to make a meeting with you. I heard you on the podcast. I think it's great. And it was literally in terms of a client signing up with me, one of the fastest processes I've ever had. I mean, he didn't even want me to do the normal, like, what do you do or anything? He was like, you know, how do you price your services? How can we work together? Send me the contract. And it was literally that simple. And it was all because, you know, what I had said on the podcast had resonated with him as a guest. You know, I was the guest and it resonated with him. Do you see, like, can you share with me any scenarios where you've helped your clients become a guest and they've had significant results or transformations? Anything stand out that you're aware of or you get feedback on? Yeah. Well, before I dive into that, I just want to piggyback on what you were saying. And and one of the things I really like to explain to people is that interview is a no-pitch scenario. Right. And so because it's not also not disruptive marketing, people are volunteering to come listen to the interview. They don't have their guard up and they're just kind of listening. And the 25 to 45 minutes that people are spending on interviews is building rapport with the listener. And then while you know the lead to you might have been cold, but to them, it was really hot. They had just spent 45 minutes listening to you on this interview. Right. And at that point, they already knew they wanted to work with you. They just needed to find out the price and they needed to find out the system on how to get going. And that's that's one of the things I think is really valuable about podcasts versus any other type of marketing is that you know if you're running ads on Facebook, it's disruptive. You need to get them on your website. You need to get them to convert. You then, you know, all these things. Whereas with the podcast, it's all voluntary and it's rapport building. So yeah, I mean, I've had I've had lots of clients with fantastic results come from just one interview or one conversation, and um, and then some others that maybe it took several conversations but made it all worth it. You know, I had an attorney that did you know fifteen podcasts with me, and I believe that he had had other results before this, but the big win for them was like on that fifteenth podcast, he had. $85,000 in initial legal fees come in from four high-level clients. And that's just initial fees. Assuming they continue for years, the lifetime value of that is, is immense. I also had another client who did a show and then got an invite to be on a second show. And the host of that show said, we're not going to put out your interview until you do a deal with us. And so they essentially funded 85% of like, I think an $8 million investment. Wow. And so... He gets ownership in that. He had to do the work, but they came up with all the money. He didn't have to go find it. And they wanted it so bad that like they even he had the best situation in the world. He didn't have to work someone down. They actually said, like, he said this wasn't a great price. And they're like, we don't care. Just go do it. <laughs> so like he got to buy this thing with their money because the conversation they had with him. You know, there are lots of, of scenarios like that. And there are lots of people that when they consistently are doing interviews, 
especially on shows that then continue for years and that get bigger, they will get leads from people that, that heard them on an interview they did three years ago. Because once you start liking a podcast and you run out of the most recent episodes, you go back and listen to the older ones. So I've heard of lots of people with, with things like that happening. And again, just if nothing else, like their potential referral source. And you know, you can always revisit a host and be like, hey, do you know anybody? Or maybe the host just brings people to you. That stuff happens all the time. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. And again, just if nothing else, like their potential referral source. And you know, you can always revisit a host and be like, hey, do you know anybody? Or maybe the host just brings people to you. That stuff happens all the time. What would you say to someone that's about to go on their first podcast as a guest? How do you prep for that first? Do you ask the host to give you questions in advance? Do you, is there anything you should do? Any thoughts or any tips that you can give us to have a good first experience and um, feel comfortable after the end that you, you did a good job? Yeah. I mean, most shows want to have an organic conversation. And they they typically are not sending out the questions in advance. You can ask them to, and they might. But a lot of times, you can just jump on the Zoom, you know, five minutes before and be like, "All right, just let me know what type of topics you want to cover." And I just think people shouldn't overthink it too much. You know, us and ums and like and stuff like that. It it just shows personality. It's not meant to be this super polished thing. It's not meant to be TV. TV people don't trust. People don't really resonate with it. It's too polished and can be too robotic. Whereas, again, this is what shows personality. This is where you can get to know somebody and hear their background and, and their humor and what drives them and, and you know, listen to the pitch of their voice and what really makes them, what makes them tick. So, you know, I really like people to just, if there are tons of articles out there that explain how to be a podcast guest, what I would really recommend is obviously just listen to this show at least a couple times before you get on it. But also, it's more like what not to do. Make sure you don't have like a coffee cup with a spoon in it that you keep like stirring while you're you're on the interview because that's going to pick up on the microphone. 
Obviously, you know, if you're working from home, you can't really help if there's a baby crying in the other room, but do your best to make sure like there isn't a dog in here that's going to be begging for your attention. You know, even little things like having a fan on and the chain is hitting back and forth on the metal. Those are the little things that actually make it so recorded a recording is unusable. But as long as you're delivering good content, you know, the interview is going to go fine otherwise. And, you know, this isn't, I have no idea how many people are going to hear this interview, but no matter how many it is, this is just a one-on-one conversation with you and me. So, you know, there's nothing to be nervous about. You, even if you're an introvert, like you're not speaking to a thousand people, you're speaking to one and just a thousand people are going to hear it. That's great advice. Do you, how about in terms of answering? I know sometimes people say to me, oh, if I answer too long, you know, cut me off. Is that a host job to kind of moderate how long an answer goes? And if maybe the person's carrying on, is that, is that should the guests be really attentive to keeping? Because there's always this balance where, you, you know, the guests should really be showing their personality and answering questions fully. Is there a period where they're maybe going on too long? How should that get handled? I mean, as long as you're staying on subject or the story that you veered off to has a point, I think that's what makes podcasts great. You know, that that's what three-minute segments on TV don't allow is for you to provide nuance. And it doesn't allow for you to give backstory. I mean, I'm someone that oftentimes, you know, likes to preface things before I give my answer or provide nuance. That's just how I am. I I I don't like when other people talk too much, but I realize I talk too much. <laughs> and uh, that's that's just, you know, I just feel that's what makes podcasts great is that you don't have to feel that rush. And to your point, if you're someone that talks a lot and you feel like you ramble, let the host know. But as long as what you're talking about has a purpose and, and there's a reason why you're explaining, you're able to tie it back, I think it's all worthwhile. Yeah, that's great advice. I love that. I love how you're so you're like an uh, evangelism for podcasting. The way you your perspective on things, I love it. What about? I hear this a lot, so I don't. Yeah, hopefully, hear it towards me. But sometimes, you know, host isn't great. They're they're not really good at creating chemistry with the guests. And once again, I'll put that disclaimer. I hope it's not me. But what can a guest do to? really facilitate that chemistry so the is there anything they can do to help that conversation so it sounds you know it's better for the audience it doesn't feel awkward and sound awkward yeah i mean again that that does go back to maybe listening to a couple of the episodes before That's so that point. you know you know the host a little bit if you've done a bunch of podcasts you kind of know you know how to how to carry the conversation but again going even just what you were asking about talking too much if the host is not going to be the one driving the conversation, you're already committing this time. So you better get in the information that you want and drive the conversation yourself. And maybe they appreciate it or maybe they don't, but if they're not if they're if they're being very monotone, they don't have the energy or that sort of thing, that's your opportunity to step up and maybe you speak for 3 minutes uninterrupted, but you got the information to the listener. I mean, ultimately this is not about the guest or the host. It's about providing value to the listener. Right, right. It's a great point. Now, in terms of that self-promotion, occasionally, you know, I'll have a guest come on and I think we're just so wired to sometimes think this way. We get a little bit too much into self-promotion, you know, uh, they'll keep bringing up, you know, seminars that they do or whatever. They'll web it into every conversation. And I think that also oftentimes has the effect to listeners almost turned off if they pick up on that because they're they're starting to feel they're being sold to. Is that something like if you have a guest, do you kind of teach them a little bit like or do just most people just get it right and they know not to do that? Or what are your even thoughts about that? 
So I definitely work with plenty of people that have never been on podcasts. You know, I work with a lot of partners that bring me guests, and maybe this is just one portion of a different marketing campaign they have. And you know, there are lots of people I work with that are just they are there to be a a subject matter expert. Then, but then sometimes I'm working with someone that has a product coming out, and I have to make it clear to them like this is not an infomercial. This is not for you to talk about the product. If you have a water filtration system, you're not there to talk about what you're selling. You're there to explain water filtration technology and how it's helping the environment and how it's helping people and what it is you're doing. And then you can tie it into what it is you're doing as a company. Why you know why you started this company because you care about these things. But yeah, I mean, this is not a medium for self-promotion in that way. Your self-promotion is letting people build that rapport with you for 25 or 45 minutes and let them get to know you. Because if they trust you based on the conversa- the, the non-salesy conversation you are able to have, that is what makes them trust you when you are trying to sell them something or when you are able to plug your business at the end, they go and check it out and they're like, well, you know, maybe I wasn't looking for this, but if I, if I need it, this is a person I'm going to go to. Or I was looking for this, and I now know a lot, 45 minutes worth of information about the CEO and know nothing about the others. You know, that's what's special about this medium is that it's not salesy, or at least it's not supposed to be. And I think people, you know, especially someone that are used to jumping into sales modes, just remember that the no pitch scenario is what gets this growing. You know, if if a show has four people that are selling themselves on it, people are going to stop listening to that show. The reason shows are able to grow is because the listener isn't feeling threatened by the guest. They're just being able to gather that information. And if they're able to gather information, it's rapport building. And so it all comes... I mean, I feel like it all comes full circle to some of the things I already said. But um, yeah, I, I definitely think that there's a time and place to plug in your book or the the place you just spoke at. But mainly, you're there to give information to the listener. In terms of preparing yourself to pitch to a show. So a pitch is the way you uh, present yourself to a show and say, hey, I'm interested in being a guest. What What's the criteria of a good pitch? Like, What do you consider a good pitch to a show to consider that person as a guest on the show? Yeah. So you know, I think that it's really important that people make sure that every word has a purpose. And I'm not saying you have to look at every single word, you know, break down your entire pitch word by word. What I mean is, you being a proud father of three and having two dogs and loving going to beach on the weekend serves no value in your pitch. If you're an ultra marathoner, maybe there's something to be said there about discipline and all those things. Maybe that ties into your pitch a little bit. But what the host needs to see is the value you're going to bring and then why you're qualified to bring. And I do it in that order. My opening for every single email is, hey, so-and-so, I'm reaching out about so-and-so being on this show to discuss. And I lead with the two to three most valuable topics. It is a three or four line run-on sentence because I am just getting in as much... I'm getting in the value right away. And then if your bio is three paragraphs long, which ideally, it should not be three paragraphs long. You, You should be able to summarize what you do or your background into one to two paragraphs. And if that's what's going to happen though, if you're able to provide that value in the very beginning you'll get the host's attention and then they'll read whatever is below that. Or maybe they just say, okay, yeah, come on. But you can't lead with like, hi, I hope this note finds you well. I think in my opinion, 
I would be a great guest on your show because I, you know, am an expert in this field. Like, no, lead with what you're an expert in. I can speak on this topic, this topic, and this topic, and make sure they're, you know, at least try to make sure they're topics that are going to grab the host's attention and aren't going to be something that they've already been pitched 50 times before. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you also said that you're qualified for. That's one thing sometimes I have a little challenge with myself when I receive pitches is, you know, someone will pitch something they want to talk about and I just don't really see anything that makes them qualified to do that. And I just feel like that gives legitimacy to the podcast if you actually have demonstrated you do whatever you're saying you're great at. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love that you put that. I also, one thing I personally really appreciate, and there's a bad way to do it in a good way. I love when people say, hey, I really did listen to your show of Bill Jones or whoever, and three things that he said that really resonated with me. I like, like, I feel like, hey, okay, you invest a little time. I'll invest a little time reading your pitch. Sometimes people say, and it just feels like it's a canned line. I listened to your show. It's great. And it just does the exact opposite of what I think they're trying to do. So that would be the only other things I'd say maybe about a pitch that I think can kind of move you up in terms of getting a little more attention. Yeah, I did away with the things like, I hope you're well. <laughs> you know, because I was like reading some articles about it. And they're like, anybody in publicity knows that like, it's bullshit. It's, you know, not that you wish badly of them, but like you're just, you're phoning it in. So I'd rather get to the point. And so I think, you know, when it comes to a, a, a very, like a very large opportunity, a large show, I do personalize every single email in that regard. And, but I'm not going to do it based on, I listen to this episode and here's why I think my guess is also, I like, I want to be able to relate it to that person because I listen to the show and I know the person, uh, you know, I'm sorry, the host why I think that you know my my guest should be on the show. I do I do it based on that. There are definitely people out there that take the time to listen to multiple episodes before and pitch. And you know, if they can actually if they can say something more than just the most recent episode and can actually elaborate on those multiple things that you know you said they they list three things that actually means they took the time for sure. But as a me being a podcast booking agent I feel like most shows understand I'm pitching a lot of people and I would rather just get away with like, you know, cut out the, the things that maybe come off as insincere. It's like, I have a person. Do you need this person? I'm providing a service to both of you. Yeah, totally. I mean, when I, someone like you, what I look for is really thorough information about the guest, which I'm sure you, I haven't seen one of yours, but I'm sure it's really thorough. So you're right. I kind of look at that differently than just an individual approaching me where it is just a nice touch, if not mandatory, but it's a nice touch if they actually can connect. And I'll tell you, if you're a new guest or maybe you're kind of learning your way and you're doing it individually, it does really help a lot. It's time consuming, obviously, but it does help a lot. I think, you know, I had one guy, it's one of the best pitches I've ever, I think I've ever received. He said to me, I think I'm at show about 88 now. So I'm coming up on 100. Now, to me, that's a big deal. I don't really publicize it. It's 100 straight weeks of publishing, almost originally the beginning, I missed a couple of weeks, but pretty close to 100 straight weeks of having guests on my show. And he said, dude, something to this effect. He said, dude, I can't believe you're coming up on 100 shows. That is a pretty dang good milestone. In addition, I listened to your show, blah, blah. And he just really eloquent and well-written. And truthfully, his skill set 
probably wasn't exactly in what I normally would fit for my show. But then I took more time to learn about him and I started listening to stuff that he'd been a guest. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we could totally have a great conversation in this area. So it was all because he just spent a little more time in you know finding out about me. And then I opened up and spent more time learning about him. So it's kind of interesting how that works. I would definitely say for anybody that's doing this on their own, if you only intend to reach out to 10 or 20 shows or maybe like a couple shows a week, it is worth it to put in that time because you don't have any connections you're, you know, to these pockets. You're starting with nothing. As someone that has sent probably 15,000 emails in the last two years, obviously, I can't do that for everybody. But as I work with a lot of these hosts... You know, I do build rapport with them. I do, you know, I I listened to every single episode every one of my clients put out for probably a year and a half. And so I did, you know, I knew enough about what my my client has to offer and what the show has to offer to say that I think they're a fit for this show. And, you know, I, I definitely learned about more shows as I went along. But, you know, every podcast is also different. Some are going to take it really offensively if they don't think that you took any time to check out their show. And others are like, you just provided me someone really special or you yourself are are special. I want to have you on the show. And, you know, so it's, um, I know traditional publicity advice is, is, uh, you know, uh, spend as much time as possible on every single outreach. Um, but I'm not a publicist. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think there should be some understanding of, of both sides of it. But yeah, again, if you're going to do this yourself, definitely take the time, you yeah, know, I love figure that. out what shows you want to be on and know why you want to be on it and then reach out to the host. Yeah, very cool. Hey, I got one last question. I always love to end the show. Do you have like a business or a life tip, something you've learned along the way that you could share with us? Yeah, you know, especially as it relates to people being on podcasts, uh, there's always that hesitation of like, am I qualified? Again, just I think it comes back to like, if you get paid to do anything, you know more about a subject than than other people. And you know, if you're willing to give that information away for free, you know, people are willing to listen, and it can really benefit them. And that will return, you know, that'll return itself to you in many ways down the road. If you're willing to just help people and try and create win-win scenarios, and and not be worried about you being able to send an invoice at the end, you know, that's that'll have its effects on you, and positive effects in the long run. Great one. I like that. Hey, your website, and I'll put this in the thinktyler.com show notes. Your website is outlieraudio.com. That's outlieraudio.com. If people want to reach out to you anywhere else you want them to go, or is that the spot? Yeah. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, Spencer Carpenter. My Instagram is at Spencer Carpenter. The Instagram for the business is at Outlier Audio. So yeah, pretty easy to find me. That's great, Spencer. Hey, you have been an awesome guest. I love talking with you about podcasting. I can tell you have a ton of knowledge and you provide a great service. So thanks for your time and have a great one. Thank you. You too. Okay, take care. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. DC, I host the rock podcast back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30 minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. 
If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric acid. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production.